Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. We are super excited today to bring an interview to you with none other than Barry Cook, director of Disney's animated Mulan, as well as so many other things as well. He'll be talking with one of our hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth, about what it's like to live and survive in the world of media today as a Christian creative. So if you enjoy this episode, be sure and rate us and review us wherever you listen to podcasts and definitely share this and tell your friends all about Creatively Christian so we can continue to bless others. All right. Hello, everyone out there in Theophany Media, uh, Creatively Christian land. This is Brandon Hollingsworth, your anchor podcast for uh, Creatively Christian. And I cannot express in words, even though I'm a writer, I can't express in words the amount of excitement and pleasure that I have right now because I'm talking to my good friend and uh, brother in Christ, Barry Cook. Barry, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Brandon. Good to see you. (laughs) <laughs> all right well i'm gonna I, I tried to memorize your bio barry but i was unable to do it so i'm gonna oh. i'm gonna i'm gonna read your bio so everybody knows who you are and uh I'm okay sure most people do already so so i'm just gonna read exactly what you wrote so barry cook director writer and producer uh barry is a veteran of film and animation with more than 35 years of experience in the industry he began his career at hanna-barbera studios where he worked as an assistant animator on the pilot episode of The Smurfs. Uh, In the early 1980s, he was hired by Walt Disney Studios, where he lent his talents as an an effects animator to such notable features as Tron, The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. In 1992, Barry made his directing debut and his mark as a computer graphics pioneer with the CG short Off His Rockers. He continued to sharpen his directorial skills on the Disney Disney Amblin short Trail Mix-Up starring Roger Rabbit. His feature debut was in 1998 with Disney's Mulan, which became an instant classic. For his work on the picture, Barry received the International Animated Film Society's Annie Award for Best Individual Achievement for Feature Directing. Barry has also developed the feature film projects My Peoples for Disney in 2003 and Mean Margaret for Stars Entertainment in 2005. Lakia Entertainment engaged Barry in 2008 as a development director where he co-wrote the screenplay Jack and Ben. In 2009, Barry signed with Ardman Animations and co-directed their hilarious CG animated feature Arthur Christmas, which was released by Sony and Columbia Pictures in 2011. His next feature, as director was Walking with Dinosaurs from 20th Century Fox and BBC Earth, which was released in 2013. The film's innovative look was achieved by combining photorealistic CG creature animation with stunning live action vistas in remote locations in Alaska and New Zealand. In 2016, Barry signed with Aquaman Entertainment as an executive producer for their first animated feature film, Monkey King, The Beginning, which is currently in production in Los, Ang- uh, Los Angeles and Bangkok. And for more than a decade, Barry has also been creatively involved with CRU and the Jesus Film Project as a writer and director for several short projects, including their anime titles, My Last Day and Legion. He's written a third short titled Chosen Witness, which is currently in production under the helm of Disney veteran Dom Carolla. 
Barry has recently completed writing the screenplay and is directing the animated film. And you can tell us the title because I don't, I don't want to mispronounce it. Gazar. Gazar, Race to the King for FH Digital Studios in South, how do you say the city? Suzhou. Suzhou, China. So, wow, absolutely stunning. Well, when you say it like that, it sounds like I've been around for a while. <laughs> sounds like you've done a couple things, right, brother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. That I think that by by all says more than thirty five years. It has been forty years now. I started at Hanna Barbera in nineteen seventy nine. Wow. Uh, in the in the fall of nineteen seventy nine, I think it was November. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been forty years trying to trying to make movies and. TV shows and funny things and all sorts of things. Well, that, that is exactly what we want to talk about today, that and, and how that intersects with your faith. Uh, here at Theophany Media on Creatively Christian, we like to talk about, um, we like to talk to Christian creatives and our audience is other Christian creatives. And we're trying to inspire them. Uh, we're trying to inform them. We're trying to educate and empower them. So so that's kind of your audience today, Barry. So you can kind of couch everything in those terms. So feel free to speak openly about your faith and how much you love Jesus. And I know that's a ton. So um, you're, you're talking to fellow believers here. So feel free to, you know, kind of go with that. Um, I'd like to kind of start with maybe where you started and a little bit about, um, let's, let's start first with, you know, 40 years ago, what was it that inspired you to begin this journey um, that brought you to where you are today in, you know, in animation and in directing and in filmmaking? Well, I was really interested in art from a young age because my father uh, was a fine artist, painter. And uh, what uh, art education we didn't receive in school, which was really not much, I don't think kids are getting very much today, serious art education. And, uh, but uh, my dad was, uh, you know, always teaching us how to mix color, how to paint. I started oil painting when I was four years old, I think. Wow. And uh, did, was portrait painting by the time I was a teenager and really sort of into the art. Um, I got interested in filmmaking uh, just from watching animated cartoons. I, try, I made my first little cartoon when I was about 13 years old uh, with a Super 8 film camera, one frame at a time, cell, sort of cell animation that I'd sort of figured out how to do, and it was only a minute and a half long, but it took me most of the summer. I worked, I think, most of one summer doing it. And uh, so I sort of got hooked on that. And uh, I went to Los Angeles to go to film school uh, in uh, around 19, that would have been around 1977, I guess, something like that. At that time, I mean, I've been raised in the church. I've been uh, baptized into the faith at about age of 13, something like that. But at this moment in time, I was pretty far from, you know, sort of walking in the footsteps and certainly not any inclination to become a disciple of Christ and really follow after him in any serious way. And um, my, you know, wanting to make movies was sort of forefront in my mind. And I got to Los Angeles and, uh, uh, I had a hit on some pretty hard times out there and some extremely rough times. Almost got kicked out of my apartment twice, ran out of money, had to drop out of school. One thing after another, after another. Uh, but uh, 
finally, uh, I was able to get it's sort of an internship program, uh, get into an internship type program at Hanna-Barbera. And basically they talked, they, they had, you had to show a portfolio of your work. And the first time I went, the guy said, well, I like some of your work, but there's not enough here. Uh, go away and bring back more stuff. So I came back in about a year later. So that whole year was sort of struggling, but I was trying to produce enough artwork so I could go back to the studio. And I finally got accepted into their program. And that program really taught you production line assistant animation, uh, what they needed for television. Back then, all of it was being done right there in Hollywood. Uh, so uh, basically, started as a junior animator in 1979 uh, at Hanna-Barbera Studios, uh, and then uh, met a good Christian fellow there named uh, Peter Gullerud. And uh, he, uh, I met a couple of his friends that had come from, uh, from Wisconsin at the time. Uh, Benny and Dirk DeRose and the three of us sort of started hanging out and becoming friends and they just opened me with they were all three Christians and welcomed me with open arms despite everything that I was at the moment and it was amazing <laughs> that these guys didn't care that I was whatever smoking pot taking drugs hanging out with loose women you name it they didn't they just did not they seem, didn't judge it didn't it didn't phase them yeah. and they became my friends we, we had a common interest in music and we'd play music together and uh and uh, they would obviously pray for me when i wasn't there and there and one of their sisters uh, back in wisconsin was also praying for me that sister later became my wife and we've been married 40 years wow. <laughs> But wow. the Lord just pursued me. He, uh, he, he got a hold of me and he just uh, opened my eyes to the truth again, you know. And, uh, and then shortly after that, I met Ellie and uh, we were married very short time after that. And uh, so we're celebrate our 40th anniversary on December 14th. Well, congratulations, brother. That is awesome. What, 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 a, what an amazing story. Just, just a story about you and Ellie is we could probably do a whole show just on that because <laughs> I know you told me a little bit more about that. I've done a whole before. lifetime on that. On that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a big show. It's a, lots of twists and turns. And, uh, and so when you were working at Hanna-Barbera, you were, you were a tweener, right? Can you, can you tell us uh, a little well, bit? Well, you know, the, the, assist, the, uh, the union categorization was a, uh, assistant animator but yeah we did but you cleaned up artists work uh i worked for some great animators uh kenneth muse was one of them who uh was one of the key animators on all the mgm tom and jerry shorts that they won so many oscars on in the early days of animation before they formed their own studio uh joe uh joe barbera and bill hannah uh but uh uh, he was one of my mentors um uh, irv spence who also worked on those uh Hal Ambro, who was who had been at Disney for years, who had animated on Peter Pan, he was one of my early mentors at Hanna Barbera. So I had some great, uh, great seasoned mentors, and uh, and they were they were tough on me, but they were you know they they recognized some talent and they pushed me pretty hard, and and it, it really it really helped. And I, I've, I've been, like I said, I've been in the industry, you know, since that moment. So, and you were actually doing. So for, for folks that don't know who are listening or maybe who are watching, um, you were you were actually drawing the frames in between the two key, in, in between keyframes. Is that right? You're sure. doing those in between frames. That's called tweening. Mm -hmm. And it's right. a lot of repetition, right? 
Well, it is to a certain extent, but no two drawings are the same. So, you know, um, and also you get one, one scene at a time and you might work on your scene for, you know, two or three days and then you're on to a new scene or new, another character. So it, it was never monotonous at all. And, and, and I, I think for hand-drawn animation and, and CG animation, maybe the same. CG animation actually could be a little more monotonous, but for hand-drawing stuff, there's a lot of drawings that has to be done for animated film, but mm-hmm. um, you know, every, every drawing feels new and every, every thing's a new challenge, you know? Well, where do you, well, that, that's a great question for our inspiration section, because I think that's a lot of times uh, a problem that Christian creatives or creatives in general have a, have trouble. It's, it's when, you know, you kind of have that new idea, that's exciting, that's fun, but when you get into the trenches of developing that idea and making it into something, oftentimes people will become distracted or bored or just weary. So how do you continue to refresh that love and that inspiration when maybe you're in the, in the trenches of doing 24 frames per second? Um, how, do you, how do you keep it fresh? Well, that's an interesting question. It's funny, Ellie and I were talking about that today and I think uh, talking about a related topic today and it was sort of working, uh, you know, on secular stuff and working in media that where you're not necessarily doing anything that's, you know, biblical or, or Christ honoring, you're just doing entertainment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it relates to it, but if you know every day that you're working for the Lord, mm-hmm. you're not working for the man, <laughs> you're not working for the company, then, you know, that in between is going to be his in between. You know yeah. what I mean? That those drawings that you're doing, you want to do the best you can mm-hmm. as if, you know, you're presenting that as if when you turn that scene in, that you, he's the person you're turning it into. Yeah. He's, absolutely. he's the animator that's going to grab it and flip through it and give you notes you know that's how you have to i think it's how you have to approach it and and i'm not saying that you know one's mind can't be constantly in that mode but i think that's an objective to say you know uh, i i think when you were down here at the house uh, a couple of months ago we talked about you know i think it was the shakers that made the furniture Mm -hmm. and and they made chairs and they always said if i make a chair i want to make it well enough that I would be happy for Jesus to have a seat in it. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? That I would be proud in a way to to use that word, but be proud in a way to have him have a seat in it and say, you know, well done. That's good. That's good work. So, you know, just in our daily work, no matter what we do, uh, I think, you know, having that mindset can help us through some tough periods Mm -hmm. or at least to be, at least to remind ourselves of that from time to time can help us through some tough periods. Yeah, absolutely. And I was hoping you were going to go there with the shaker example. So, so that's perfect. That's exactly what I was hoping to get to, because I just think even, even sometimes with Christian creatives, if, if you don't have that mindset where everything I do is as unto the Lord, right? Everything I create, while I might get, I might get paid by Disney or I might get paid by Hanna-Barbera, they may give me my paycheck. I'm really working to glorify my king with every line I draw, with every word I write, with every edit I make or, or what have you, then that ha- two, two things happen. One, as you said, you produce much better work, a much higher fidelity, a much higher quality of work. Um, so number one, people are going to look at you who are not Christians and going to go, wow, that Barry, he really kills it, right? He works hard. And they may ask you why. And it gives you an opportunity to share. 
but then also your employer is going to look at you and they're like, man, that Barry, he kills it. I want to keep him on staff. You know, he comes in here every day. He never complains. You know, even when I give him grunt work, he does it and he turns it in with a smile. It's just such a huge testimony. You know, just our body of work can be just such a huge testimony for Christ. And I think uh, I encourage any Christian creative to accept that perspective that you're offering. It's, it's amazing. Well, I can't say I never complain because I complain oh. a lot. But, uh, <laughs> mo most of my complaints are, you know, this could be better. Right. Most of my complaints are, why are we doing this in a mediocre fashion when we could elevate it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's true. It's, 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 uh, you know, focusing on who we're really working for and, and, and who, who gave us this life to live in the first place and who gave Amen. us the, the abilities and talents and whatever we have to use in this life. You know, if, if we can turn those into uh, ways to, to honor him, then I think then he, he uh, you know, allows us to continue forward and, and the thing that he's created us to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important to understand and to find and to find that in your life and to understand uh, sort of your 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 calling, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Uh, if you could tell me. Uh, so when I was when I was down there before, we talked a little bit about how you kind of made the transition from from Hanna-Barbera into Disney and working on Tron and how there was a <laughs> unique kind of. Um, a unique mixture of skill sets that you were able to kind of capitalize on, but also just a willingness to jump in and, and to kind of get her done, uh, you know, to mm -hmm. use a, to use a phrase. Could you maybe, could you tell that story, how that transition happened and well, what, what the situation was? The, the, uh, the, a friend of mine who I worked with at Hanna-Barbera uh, had had recently at that time had recently left the studio and uh, he had started working for uh, uh, Ralph Bakshi Studio, and that's a name that goes way back. But uh, he was an independent animated animation director, producer in Hollywood. And uh, so my friend Mike had left and gone over to him. And then Mike called me one day and said, "Look," he said, "We're uh, I got a call from a guy who's putting together a crew at Disney." To work on this film and he said i don't know much about it it's part live action so there's animation involved and uh, he wanted to know if i knew any great assistant animators and i and he said so your name came up so I'll give him a call and uh, so i i gave i gave the guy a call and he said oh if mike recommends you then you know you're good enough for me he says come over to my house and and i'll tell you about the story so we set out by his pool and ellie and i both went over there and and he talked about the story a little bit. And he says, well, if you want to work on it uh, next Monday, show up at Disney and talk to this guy. He'll be expecting you. <laughs> uh, I had recently had a motorcycle crash and my arm was in a cast. So when I showed up for my first day at Disney, my arm was in a cast. And the guy said, I hope that's not your drawing arm. I said, no, 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 that's my, <clears throat> that's my other arm. I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I carried on like that. But, uh, yeah, so I don't know if that's the all the full story I had told you before, maybe, but uh, it was really, and it's funny because it was supposed to be a six month project and I stayed at Disney for 22 years. Right. Right. So that, that's what happened. You know, you just sort of go in and you start trying to prove yourself and start offering up ideas and start offering up, you know, and some hard work and, you know, and, and, and if they want to work late hours, you stick with them, you know, whatever it is. 
and they see you as valuable. And uh, Don Hahn uh, is the one who, my work was brought to his attention by some of the guys in their effects department. They said, look what this kid's doing. He's doing some, some really cool stuff, you know, and some inventive stuff. We could use a guy like him on the crew. And so Don came to me and, and said, you know, when you're done with Tron, if you want to come over to Disney feature animation, uh, you're welcome. So I just carried on and continued on. Yeah, that was definitely the story. It was it for me. It's a, it's it's an inspirational story. You know how it's like. You know, hey, you're just ready to throw in. You're ready to. You know, you're knowing this is a possibly a six six month or a six week project, and you know, hey, it's a short term project regardless. But I'm going to go in there. And I'm going to give it my all. You know, I'm not going to expect anything. And I just yeah. think that's a really powerful message, uh, especially in today's age. You know, where. Uh, maybe people might expect more than than they deserve. You know, um, there's a bit of an entitlement culture <laughs> that's out there, and yeah. so you know, you just you just throw in and you get the work done. And, you, and again, it goes back to doing the best that you can. So I just think that's such an inspiring story. And like you said, you went in for a short term, and you know, you were there for 22 years. So it's just amazing. You know, yeah. <laughs> I love I love yeah. it. Incredible. So tell us a little bit about how you feel or how you see how your work, we're kind of entering the informed section of the show and how you see maybe where your work and your ministry intersect or how they might overlap or, or do they, do they uh, intersect or overlap at all? Well, they have begun to inter to overlap significant ways uh, over the past, ever since really Disney closed their studio here in 2004. And uh, I, we decided to in, in Florida because I was at their Florida studio at the time. I had worked in California for years also, but I was at their Florida studio in 2004 when they closed it down and, and we had made our home here and we're raising our kids here in Florida. And uh, I think my oldest son was already off to college at that time, but uh, um, we decided to stay in Florida and uh, I didn't pursue, you know, really if, with Disney, Disney laid off really the lion's share of their animation crew because they were sort of, going full-time into CG and the project that I was developing was partially CG, but it had a lot of 2D animation and stuff in it too, but they were looking to make their first full CG feature. Uh, but uh, so I stayed here and I just sort of started being, you know, tried to do it as an independent and trying to work for other studios. And of course, subsequently, like you said, at the top of the podcast, uh, you know, I ended up working at, uh, in, for Ardman. I ended up working for, uh, at Leica in Portland, I ended up working at Animal Logic in Sydney, Australia on the Walking with Dinosaurs film. Uh, I ended up uh, at Sony on Arthur Christmas and in, in the front part of the production of that. And so uh, it was nice. So I was able to bounce around, you know, I've been able to bounce around at different studios. But the whole time I had met some guys, uh, maybe in two, fall of 2004, uh, uh, I'd met some some guys from the Jesus Film Project, and they had just moved their headquarters here to Orlando mm -hmm. from Lake Arrowhead or wherever they were, a crew, they're called crew now, there was Campus Crusade for Christ at the time they were called, but, uh, but the Jesus Film Project, specifically a division or, or, or part of that ministry, I said, you know, I said, uh, you guys have this Jesus Film that's very popular, and, and I knew people that I went to church with, one guy, uh, traveled the world recording various language versions for that film. So I said, you've got all these language versions. I said, you know, that's a big, a big part of making an animated film is recording the voices. Yeah. I said, but you, in, in essence, you've already got voices recorded. We can, we can make an animated film, you know, and they like, eh. so eventually, you know, over the course of a few years, uh, 
they funded a, or they were able to fund uh, through donations. And, you know, there's total, total donor uh, based ministry mm -hmm. uh, for specific projects and specific needs, but uh, they funded the project uh, and it was called, we called it my last day. And it was the story of the repentant thief. And uh, I did all, a lot of the storyboarding and, you know, uh, pre-production work on it we used dialogue from the original jesus film but we didn't use the same shots in the original jesus film or the same production design or the same concept or the same gotcha. timing or the same we didn't use all the dialogue from the jesus film we just you know selected what we needed but uh and then we handed it over because i wanted it to be an anime film because i was really interested in anime and i thought that and, and at the time anime was like you know, sort of a lot of young people were getting into watching anime, but there was no Christian content at all. I mean, almost as the opposite of Christian content. Mm -hmm. But we gave this the the film, the project, and uh, Jesus Film Project decided we found a great studio in Tokyo, uh, Studio 4C, and basically just handed it over to them, handed all the pre-production, said, you guys make it your film. And they did this amazing anime film about the... Uh, the last day of this thief and his uh, conversation with Jesus on the cross. And uh, it turned out to be great. Uh, the thing has been uh, dubbed in, I guess, at least a couple of hundred languages now. And it's been seen by millions and millions of people. So it's amazing. So that's sort of, you know, interesting. And, we've, and now we've, we've done, since then, we've done uh, another short film. Uh, you mentioned also too at the top and, uh, and we're in production right now on a third one that's about eight minutes long, uh, CG film. And uh, then, uh, you know, we, we have some, you know, we have some uh, hopes that maybe someday we could do a complete feature. So, so for, for the listening audience, tell us a little bit about, I mean, obviously you have this passion inside you for a long time to make these sorts of films, but maybe didn't have the opportunity. So how were you able to kind of, you know, keep that fire stoked while you were still having to pay the bills. Uh, you know, that's a, that's yeah. a difficult thing for a lot of people to navigate. So talk well, to us my, a little my bit. Day, about my day job stoked my fires pretty good. I mean, it was okay. pretty exciting to work on those big Disney titles and be okay. part of that. And to looking back on, it, it's like having a hand in creating some of the, you know, most renowned entertainment ever put, you know, put out there. Absolutely. I mean, that was for an artist. It was pretty, you're pretty jazzed. You know, I couldn't wait to get to the studio every morning. Okay. You know, I was loving my, my work. But as far as, you know, trying to tell the gospel, when I was a kid, I loved uh, a few movies that, you know, and we didn't have even VCRs then. We didn't have uh, Blu-ray discs. We certainly didn't have any streaming. We didn't have any way to see a movie except waiting for it to come on once a year. Right. And uh, the movies I loved, The Wizard of Oz and Moby Dick and Dickens' Christmas Carol and Jesus of Nazareth, which mm -hmm. came, you know, in the 70s, I think, or maybe, yeah, early 70s. Uh, Franco Zeffirelli's uh, it was a it was a, actually done as a mini series but then put packaged as a feature mm -hmm. and they would play that every I don't know if it was Easter or Christmas but they would play that once a year and I loved the story of Jesus I love the movies that talked about Jesus and uh, whether it be you know the uh, the robe which is an, an older movie or Ben-Hur you know what a great film that revolves you know around Messiah in, in a lot of ways and uh and I just love those kind of films. And uh, I didn't really have much of an outlet. Uh, my good friend, Steve Starr and I, we made a short film 
a live action film. While I was working in the effects department at Disney, we made a live action film. We worked on it on the weekends uh, called uh, uh, The Tempter's Voice. And it was 16 millimeter film. And it's the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. So we just did like a little short, it's almost like a student film at the time. And uh, so I've already had interest. And then I was already putting together in my mind this sort of epic, epic screenplay or novel or something about the life of Christ that I wanted to, you know, put. So I've always had this story. I've I've been working on it constantly, not constantly, but I've been working on it off and on Mm -hmm. uh, in spare time for a long, long time. I've been sort of trying to uh, find different ways to present the gospel story that would resonate with wide audiences or or resonate with people who haven't given it a chance to, or right. to listen to what that story really is and what the gospel really is and not what they think it is yeah yeah absolutely not what they've heard it is yeah for sure is the tempter's voice is that is there somewhere that that can be seen or is that uh is that in a drawer somewhere well no i, I have it in, on 16 millimeter film right over here in the corner i've never dubbed it i've got a bad vhs dub of it that we did a long time ago but i need to have it scanned and the problem is it's a pretty norwegian looking jesus which i think is really out of vogue right now you know what i mean it's sort of a yeah, sort of yeah. a blonde light-skinned right. jesus and uh and you know i don't know it's just at the time i we didn't have really a sensitivity toward that and right you know i sort of regret that looking back on it but you know that's you know you can you can just blame the casting director don't worry about it so well that, we didn't have one <laughs> i know that's what i'm saying but, uh, so you just blame them yeah, <laughs> yeah. or maybe with cg effects you know i could do something to yeah, darken the yeah. air or something i don't know or, or maybe reshoot it i know you're you're also a huge film you know film guy as well yeah i love i love shooting stuff and i love cinematography and that's always been sort of uh it's a passion of mine i've never done it really professionally uh but i i dabble around in it and i and I, and one thing is I just, the, the more I know about it, the more I can apply it to whatever I do, whether it's animation or whatever. I have a lot of, you know, I, I look at things the way a cinematographer looks at things. I tell stories the way a cinematographer tells stories. I try to always have that cinematographer's eye, you know, through the, through the camera sort of whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm looking at, I just want to, you know, think about it as film and think about it as cinema and think about it as, how am I putting this story together shot by shot by shot and how do, what do I want the mood to be and how do I want it lit and how do I want it to feel? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's such a big part of visual storytelling and film, yes. and whether it's animation or whatever, uh, it's such a big part. And now with CG, we can light, we can shoot, we can, uh, you know, do anything you can do with a live action camera. Right. Uh, which is great. And, and so I know there's, there's part of that as well that you also bring into your your screen plays as well. I mean, you again, it's it's it's, it's at every level that you're thinking kind of with that filmmaker's hat on. Um, mm-hmm. So so tell us a little bit about you know kind of number one where you discovered that love. Was it back in your eight millimeter days? And have you? I think so. I had sort of a yeah. I think it, for me it was like you know some guys like cars. I like cameras okay. <laughs> and I've always liked cameras. I'm like uh-huh. fooling with cameras and working with cameras and stuff like that. I don't, th- I think it required a lot being a lot more mechanical back in the day. And I'm not a very mechanical guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so digital is a little easier for me uh, to be honest, but uh, uh, I just, you know, I loved, I sort of had a camera a thing for cameras. And 
when I was in high school, I saved my money and I got the best Super 8 camera money could buy at the time, you know, with a nice, this nice French camera, Beaulieu camera with a, with a Schneider German lens on it, you know, right. and I, you know, worked all summer to buy that camera and, you know, this is my pride and joy sort of yeah. thing. So I've always loved having that camera in the bag that I could film stuff with. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that kind of uh, transitions right pretty easily into the education portion of the show. So, you know, if, if you could, you know, have a platform where you could speak to every Christian creative out there, or anybody who's Christian who's in, thinking about being creative in terms of, you know, how to educate themselves or, or advice on what to learn, uh, what would be some things from, from you, Barry? Well, um, I have spoken at various, you know, Asbury uh, in Kentucky, Asbury University, which my, my uh, son, Peter, went to school there, graduated from there. I've spoken there. I've spoken at lots of animation forums and, and I've spoken, I've been involved in, you know, some sort of non-Christian things and, you know, some just industry things and everything else. But uh, when I know that I'm speaking to Christians, especially, I want to tell them, it's like, look, uh, we're supposed to reflect the image of God, right? I mean, that's part of our job as Christians. And, you know, you look at the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God did what? What was his action? He created. Right. He's a creator. He's our creator. He's the creator. And for us not to be creative would be, I think, something's wrong. Yes, <laughs> if we're made in the image of God, I think almost the first thing we should be is creative. Mm -hmm. You know, I really yeah. do believe that. We should be creative beings. Mm -hmm. We should find, you know, that's, we should ooze creativity because that, that is being like our father. I think that's, you know, that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's, you know, to me, that's a, a big, a big part of it. And, you know, for, from an educational standpoint, I dropped out of, this is, this is true. And I, and I think maybe somebody else beat me to the punch on the book title, but I was a kindergarten dropout. <laughs> my parents moved halfway through my kindergarten year. And at the time, the state of Tennessee, kindergarten was not, kindergarten was not required. Mm -hmm. So I didn't finish kindergarten. So I was a kindergarten <laughs> dropout. Uh, I did finish high school and I went to Los Angeles to study film and television production at Columbia College. They're a, a cool school. They're out in uh, Tarzana now. They used to be in, in Hollywood on La Brea. Uh, Avenue, but uh, La Brea Boulevard, but uh, they're, uh, they teach film and television production, but I couldn't, I, I was sort of going on my own penny. My parents couldn't afford to send me to college. And so I was trying to work part-time and go to school at nights and it just wasn't working out. And then I lost my job and blah, 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 blah. So uh, I dropped out of college, you know, very, I, without even having finished a whole year uh, I was fortunate because a lot of people that lived in the building I lived in with the college there and I worked on still worked on a lot of their projects, a lot of their student films I was I would help grip on the uh, on the weekends or be a grip or be a still photographer on their set or load camera magazines with film or be an assistant cameraman or something like that or mm -hmm. hold the clapper and you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> Uh, so I sort of got a good education and then uh, just started pursuing uh, when I heard about the opportunity Hanna-Barbera started saying well I could get into the animation because I loved animation since I was a kid and had experimented with it a bit so uh, so yeah that was my education but I think 
one of the one of the most valuable things I think, and I don't know if you know we're getting towards that part of it, but uh, one of the most valuable things in terms of of, of you know advice or or you know can, you know can can I be a, a, a wise old sage to to say you know listen to me grasshopper here's what I want you to know yes please please <laughs> but one thing one thing I would I do want people to know and I do want people to to, to take very seriously uh, is if you want to be in this industry, if you want to be a filmmaker, if you want to be an artist, designer, editor, cinematographer, director, actor, singer, musician, dancer, whatever it is in the arts, if you want to be, if you want to seriously pour yourself, your life into the arts, uh, don't wait for permission from, for somebody, for anybody to say, okay, now you're a director. Or, yes, Brandon, now you may shoot with your camera. You know, you, 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 you can't, if, if you wait for people to give you permission to do stuff, you won't do stuff. Right. And even when I was at Disney, when I first entered the doors, I started doing, I saw needs and I was like, hey, we could do this. We could solve this scene this way. What if we tried this? And I would start doing stuff and they'd be like, what is this kid up to? He's over talking to the camera department. Nobody sent him over there. What's he doing? He's bugging the guys in the camera department. He wants to borrow a lens. What's going on here? And, you know, things like that. And sort of always, you know, taking risk and being out there. But, uh, you know, I made my first film when I was 10 years old. And uh, it was a three-minute version of Dickens' Christmas Carol. Because the rules of film were three minutes and 20 seconds long. And it was super on the camera. So that's the length of my film. And my family played the Cratchit family. My brother played the ghost. I, my friend... I played Scrooge and I and my friends played a ghost and I played another ghost and my kid brothers and sisters were in it. So, um, uh, and I'm like, I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. What do you know? 10 years old. I'm a movie director. <laughs> and I never let anybody tell me different. Awesome. I would I never, probably... I never let anybody tell me different. It's just like, this is what I do. And, you know, that's, I just made up my mind. I would, Early. I would, I would probably pay a hundred dollars to watch that movie right now, Barry. So. I've got that too on a roll of film somewhere. <laughs> it was but good. I, it was a I ghost think, story. I think you're so, you're so right. You know, and it's, it's what kind of part of what I've found out in my career as well is that you can't, you can't wait for permission. And there's so much value in pointing to something that you've done, right? There, there's one thing to say, oh, I'm working on or I'm thinking about, right? But at the end of the day, if you can say, I've done that and you can point to it, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not exactly what you wanted it to be, it's done. It's in the can to use some film speak yes. and, and somebody can watch it and critique it and you can edit it or you can go back and reshoot or whatever, but it's, it's done. You've completed something. And then also, and this is something I try to tell my kids all the time, is that just doing that, you gain this sense of confidence. It might not be like puff your chest out, I can do anything, but it's one little measure of confidence that you've got. It said, you know sure. what, I was able to do that. And so maybe I can now do this. Maybe I can take that next step. And I just yeah. think, I think you're spot on. I mean, I think that's just so critical for creatives to hear. And I think there's a, you know, maybe a warning that needs to go along with that because you don't want to be obnoxious, right? And I'm not saying you were. But, you know, you, you know, you want to be, you want to be anxious and you want to be leaning forward in the foxhole, but 
you don't want to be a, a pest. You know, that's definitely not what you want to be, especially if you're trying to make your way in the industry. But I think if you're just honest and authentic and you show your passion and your, your love for the work, I think that will, that will translate. I think that'll come across. So. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think, um, you know, that's so much a part of it, you know, authenticity mm -hmm. and, and really, you know, sticking to your guns and trying not to compromise. I mean, I think Steven Spielberg may have said once that all the filmmaking is some sort of compromise. You do have to, you know, the sun's not quite right on this shot, not the way I wanted it. Oh, I really couldn't get the car I wanted for this shot, so I'm using this one. So there's a lot of compromises that go along, but uh, the, if, you, if you can try hard not to compromise in your work and to, and to strive, if you're striving for excellence, I think then that's, uh, that's uh, and it's mostly pushing yourself. You know, I think it, a lot of it's, you know, pushing yourself creatively and, and, and knowing that, well, yeah, I did get that in the can, but I could do so much better. So you sort of apply the lessons you learn to the next time around and, and failures are so important, mm -hmm. but if you're not, there, if you're not out there doing it, you're not going to even fail, yeah. you know, and I don't know if somebody, some famous person I'm sure said, uh, you know, doing nothing is the, is, is the perfect, uh, path to failure you yeah. know yeah absolutely <laughs> uh but uh you know trying something and failing that's different because you, you certainly learn along the way and I've, I've learned some hard lessons in entertainment and storytelling and all sorts of things you know along the way but i think i feel like i'm a better you know better director and better writer now because of all of it yeah yeah i could could not agree more could not agree more and that kind of leads perfectly into our empower section of the show so, you know, the kind of flip side of this kind of being authentic and this trying and this going out there and, 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 and not letting, not asking for permission. The flip side of that is, I think, learning to take criticism gracefully, right? And that's often a really hard thing for creatives in general and especially Christian creatives. So I, I wonder if maybe if you've got a story or maybe some advice, um, you know, to, to help people learn how to maybe when things don't work out the way they thought it would and you know you get a bad yeah. set of notes back how do, how do you deal with that in a in a god honoring way in a in a humble way but a, but a way that still expresses how excited you are for the project well i would say you know 95% of the time when you get notes back from a studio from a producer from executive from a client from even your loved ones about your work mm -hmm. Uh, it's about the work. And I think it's very important to separate yourself from yes. the work. Uh, and, you know, uh, they have a very uh, epic Pixar and, and we tried to do this at Disney too. I think the culture came out of Disney, but really grew at Pixar from what I understand uh, there is, you know, they have a lot of story sessions and they'll, and they'll put their first version of the story together and they'll watch it and then they'll go in and critique it, a group of people, you know, the brain trust. Uh -huh. uh, but the way they look at it is this is like we're, we're like doctors and the movie is like the patient uh -huh. and we're examining the patient and we're taking its temperature and we're seeing what's ailing it and how do we fix it and how do we bring it to health and how do we make it the best it can be. So if you realize the most of the critique is going to the product you're trying to make uh -huh. and, and, and so don't take it personally say, oh, okay, my, my short film has a broken leg. How do I fix it? Yeah. You know, my broken, my, 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 
my short film or my my movie it doesn't have enough heart or it's got a weak heart how do i right. give it a stronger heart you know yeah. whatever that is or this character seems weak in the story and you know how do i make that character stronger as a character so you have to just separate yourself from your work i think that's a very important thing to do and a lot of people i think sort of put themselves too much out there with their work and say here's here i am this is right. me right. you know instead of saying no this is my work you know this isn't me this is my work and if you want to criticize my work it can you know we can change it or we can fix it or we can whatever if you're criticizing me that's different you know then you know maybe you might get hurt feelings or whatever but i think most of the time people are talking about uh, the work and how, you know, to make it, to make it better. Yeah, I agree. And I think another, another thing as well, it goes back to what we were talking about kind of at the beginning of the podcast is if you're doing this work as an offering, right. To, to, to our King, you know, to Jesus, to God. Um, well, you know, you don't hold on to an offering, you put it up on the altar and then you walk away. And if they're criticizing that offering, it's obviously about the offering. It's not about me, right? So I think right. for at least a Christian creative, if you can learn to decouple the self, right, from the offering, then I think that's exactly what you're talking about. Is um, And I think, I don't know, just for me, personality-wise or something, but anything I've done in the past, I don't even care to think about it much. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering, I'm just thinking about what's next. Yeah, And it's like, I have a real easy time Right. Once I finish a project, it's behind me. I mean, it is so behind me that it's not even funny. Yeah. And people yeah. have to drag it out of me. What? What about this? What about that? I, I, I don't. I don't care about any of that stuff. You know, that was in the past. I'm, I'm right. going. I'm moving forward. And and but I've had a. And I think some people don't have, aren't able to do that as easily, maybe as I'm able to do that. And I don't know why that is, but it's just like. When I'm done with something, I'm done. I'm ready to move on to the next bit. Yeah, you know, I, I know. It's, I have to actually be reminded about stuff that I've done in the past. I'm like, oh yeah, I did do that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and great. Another great segue. You know, let's talk about moving forward and, and what's Barry working on. You know, right now and what's the future look like? I know you've got some projects you're really, really excited about, and I want to spend a little bit of time looking forward and not looking back. So, talk to us about. Well, that. you know, as always in Hollywood and always in. Uh, you know, the intellectual property business, uh, some things can't be revealed at this moment. Sure, sure. But uh, I am working on uh, a screenplay right now that I'm very excited about. And, uh, and that is a Christ-centered uh, stor story. So uh, I'm very, very excited about that I'm working on. Uh, I'm a screenplay that I wrote a couple of years ago, and I think you mentioned that at the top, Mm -hmm. uh gazar the race to be king mm -hmm. uh we're in pre-production on that right now so uh we're doing uh i got uh four story artists working for me right now uh one part-time editor i'm doing quite a bit of editing myself i sort of like doing it and we're sort of in the early stages so i have enough spare time to sort of dive in and do a lot of that right now and uh and then we've got some great uh a great production designer uh in uh, shanghai who's doing some amazing work and another concept artist who's doing some really great great i mean top drawer stuff so i'm excited about the progress we're making you know on that on that project i've also some uh, one project i'm working on is uh i'd written uh the ghost story that i'm doing as an audio uh drama or an audio 
a dramatized audio screenplay is really what it is. So I wrote it as a, first I wrote it as a short story. Shortly after my dad died, it was sort of a cathartic writing piece for me. And uh, I'd always been interested in Ghost from my first Dickens Christmas Carol. We had Ghost in Mulan, the last film I developed at Disney, which didn't get off the ground. One of the working titles was A Few Good Ghosts. It had Ghost in it. I've always been fascinated with ghosts and ghost characters. And I think we talked about that a little bit recently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, so I wrote this story uh, about this guy who gets killed and becomes a ghost <laughs> and uh, stuck in the house. So it's a ghost story. And it's not necessarily a Christian story. It's not necessarily theologically that sound, but it's sort of a, a, it's sort of a different take on a ghost story. Sort of a very different take that has a lot of hope and really thematically, uh, death is not the end, is sort of right. the theme of the story. Yeah. So I, uh, I wrote it as a screenplay and I want to shoot it as a low budget independent feature film, live action film. And uh, even, a, as you know, a live action feature film, even if it's independent, can still be rather costly to put together. So I don't really have the funding that I would want to put together uh, the film in the way I would want to. So as we started getting locked down for the COVID uh, thing, uh, I thought, how can I get this thing out there? So I, I said, you know, I could do it as an audio, like a theater of the mind, an mm -hmm. audio drama, a radio play yes. sort of thing. So uh, I rewrote the script with a little more narration to, you know, it's sort, of, sort of the first person narrative, the guy telling his story. And uh, we're, we're uh, in the midst of recording and editing that now. I have a recording session in Nashville uh, next week on that. And uh, it'll probably be remotely, uh, but, uh, and uh, I've got a sound effects editor working for me on that and it's coming together really nice. It's really exciting. So for a fraction of the budget, I'll be able to get the story out there. Right. And I've met some really uh, influential people in the podcast and in the audiobook uh, industry that uh, seem to be willing to help me get it, you know, where it needs to go. Cool. Had some really good meetings recently with some people. And uh, so that's a project I'm really excited about. It, it's sort of, of, of the three projects, it's sort of the, the back burner right now, but I'm, I'm keeping it simmering and I'm keep, and I'm working on it and other people are working on it as we speak. Uh, so uh, it's coming together. It's coming together. It's a little slower than I want it to. My, my goal is probably to have it out there by next Halloween okay. to, uh, you know, to have a good ghost story for the, yeah. for the time of year. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. Well, I mean, all of them sound super interesting. I would love to know more about them, but I know NDAs are binding legally and uh, we don't want you getting in trouble. So for sure, don't, don't do that. So um, can you tell folks a little bit about maybe places, um, you know, maybe to keep in touch with you or what you maybe you're doing or if nothing else, maybe places where they can go and fund maybe the, the folks that are running the Jesus Project. You know, can you drop a couple of URLs? Um, so folks can go out and maybe contribute to that project and help keep you funded. Well, I think the Jesus Film Project uh, is, you know, a great, because they're always doing short films and always trying to use filmed media to, mm -hmm. to, to evangelize and to, to spread the, 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 the gospel. And uh, so I think that's a, a good one. For me, I don't have any, I don't have a website and I don't have, uh, you know, uh, a GoFundMe page or a Patreon or anything like that. I'm just not really at that point of doing that for me right now. It's not really, you know, what I'm into at all. But 
Um, so yeah, I don't have any specific uh, requests along those lines. Uh, yeah, and I don't have, you know, I don't, I'm not looking for followers okay. on Facebook and I'm not looking for Instagram followers and I'm not looking, you know, I, I just, it's, <laughs> you know, I'm not really trying, I'm not drum, trying to, I, you know, it may, and that may change. It may change really soon with this, this audio project and us trying to create an audience for it. You know, we mm -hmm. may, uh, for the, it's called the happy place is the working title. I don't know if that'll be the final title or not, but the ghost story, uh, you know, we may launch a website, we may launch, uh, you know, a lot of sort of media to try to get, a, build an audience for that. Mm -hmm. But currently, yeah, I'm not really looking to, okay. to build an audience or, you know, to be bothered in that regard. So. All right. Well, we'll be sure and drop, drop the URL for the Jesus film project in here. That way, if people do want to go and I know they have a donation model, so people can yeah. go donate to that and hopefully keep that rolling. And uh, if things change, you know, we're recording this like in November, but it probably won't go live until after the first of the year in January. So well, I can find change, out more. I can find out more too, because they may have a specific link for their animation for yeah. giving for their animation projects. Mm -hmm. And so that would be very most helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Just let me know. We'll be happy to include that link in the show notes and then also put it up on the screen so folks can see it. So um, love to help you, help you guys out and support you however we can. So great. All right. Well, we uh, really appreciate you coming on. I'd love to close this out in a prayer if, uh, if that's yeah, okay with you. All right. Let's, uh, let's go before the, before the father. Hi, King of heaven. Uh, we just come before you lifting up your name, raising high the banner of Christ. Uh, Father, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to, to come before you in prayer. I thank you for the, the, shed, son, uh, the shed blood of your son um, that allows us to have restoration and um, puts us back into good standing with you, Father. I thank you so much for that sacrifice. I thank you for this time and for this technology. I uh, thank you for the opportunity to talk to my dear friend, Barry. I just pray your blessings over him and over Ellie and over their children and over their family. Uh, I just pray that um, you keep them safe, Father, that you continue your protection and provision over them. You continue to shower them with your blessings and with your love. Um, I thank you so much for all that he has done um, over the past 40 years uh, in, in the various industries that he's participated in. I thank you for his openness to come on the podcast today and just share a little bit about his past with us. I thank you for the genuine brotherhood um, that I have with him and the genuine, um, just, just the genuine openness and acceptance that uh, he has extended uh, to me. And uh, it, it means a tremendous amount to me, Father, and I am so humbled by his association and I'm so humbled uh, by the fact that I got to speak with him again today. So I just pray, Father, for everyone who's listening, um, that they will uh, take some of these lessons to heart, that they will learn um, learn how to not ask permission, but to be humble, uh, that they will learn, uh, Father, how to, um, to separate themselves from the offerings that we should place before you and before our employers and not to take offense when, when we're corrected or, or redirected. And Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to um, be in a country where I can speak freely and openly about your son, about the cross of Christ, about the gospel. Um, and I thank you for Barry and for his continued efforts to do the same. In your son's beautiful and mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. It has been great seeing you again and chatting. Looking forward to the next time, whether it's on a podcast or not. And uh, 
let me know if I can help you out in any way, brother. All right. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun and uh, hope everybody enjoys the podcast. Oh, I'm sure they'll love it. They'll probably have tons of comments. I'll have to call you and let you know, though. So Okay, great. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening today. To see our show notes where we put useful information like the resources mentioned in this episode, you can head on over to theophanymedia.com forward slash Barry. And remember, if you enjoy this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share wherever you listen to podcasts. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth Andrea Sandifer, Bill Brooks, and Lynn Baber. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Our music is by Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer. To join our exclusive patron community, which includes bonus episodes and so much more, go to theophanymedia.com forward slash creatively Christian. Have a blessed day and keep on creating for our Lord.